in the book of Revelation, and uh, we want to look at this closing verse uh, in this section uh, that describes for us the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ over sin and death and hell and Satan and all evil. Uh, first, uh, a taste of victory that we see recorded for us in history, uh, the gospel going forth, uh, the Lord uh, dealing with uh, his enemies, and, and then uh, the ultimate victory, uh, the, the completion, uh, the perfection of the work of God Almighty to cleanse the universe from evil uh, with his bodily, physical return uh, at the end of history uh, to usher in eternity. Uh, we see pictured here the great day of judgment. And then we have this contrast that is painted for us uh, in Revelation 21 of these two groups now that will stand before the living God on that great day. Uh, God's people who in this life have tasted of his kindness and grace, uh, repenting and believing in Jesus, um, we look forward to the bliss of heaven. Uh, what a contrast those who have lived apart uh, from the Savior, the Lord Jesus, uh, those who have continued to walk in darkness, suppressing the truth that all men are confronted with, uh, as we read in Romans chapter 1, all men are without excuse. They know in their heart that God is the creator and that they ought to love and adore and serve him. Uh, all those who are apart from Christ will be cast uh, into the lake of fire. They will experience the second death. And we have a description of those two groups here in Revelation 21 down through verse 8. So we'll read this section again, and then we'll try to finish uh, looking at verse 8 this evening. But let's look at this whole section again. Revelation chapter 20, and we'll begin reading um, in verse 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, 
for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Thus ends the reading of God's very word. Let's pray. O Lord, as we come uh, to sit at your feet this evening, at the beginning of a brand new week, what joy we have uh, to think about your victory, Lord Jesus. Uh, we long for that day when you will come and in history. Uh, we long uh, for the day when you will uh, bring to completion and perfection uh, your mighty reign uh, of, of redeeming your people and cleansing the universe uh, with fire, uh, that evil will no longer uh, be uh, uh, present and roaming about. Oh, Lord, we long for the day when our own hearts and lives uh, will be delivered, even from the vestiges of the old sinful nature. How we thank you that you have given us a new, a new heart, uh, a heart that loves you, to repent of our sins and believe in you. How we thank you that you've not only justified us, and adopted us. But Lord, you are sanctifying us. And so we do look forward to that day when uh, our souls will be glorified, when you take us home to be with you, and when you come again in glory and our bodies are raised from the dead, and body and soul reunited uh, to glory in your presence. Uh, Lord, for you to wipe the tears from our eyes and welcome us into your glorious heaven forever and ever. Oh Lord, we are struck with the horror of eternal hell. Uh, Lord, we would uh, be there even now were it not for your amazing grace. And we pray that you would stir us up to a renewed love for you, Lord Jesus Christ. And that, Lord, you would give to us a renewed hatred of our own remaining sin. 
And Lord, you would give to us a, a renewed sense of urgency, a, a, a heart of compassion for those around us who are apart from Christ, who are walking in darkness as we were at one time before you touched us and made us alive uh, to believe in your Son. Lord, give us boldness uh, to live the gospel before a watching world. Uh, Lord, give us grace and boldness to speak the truth in love uh, to those around us. With wisdom, uh, Lord, make us salty Christians. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would restore and revive us and grow us, even this night as we look at this passage of Scripture together. And, Father, we give praise and thanks to you that you are at work. Oh, Lord, our hope is in you. Uh, it is not in ourselves or in other people. It is in you, Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, come and walk in our midst this evening. And we make our prayer in your sweet and powerful name. To you, the one true living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, last Lord's Day, we uh, ended by looking at the first in this list. And you remember that these two groups now are contrasted. Uh, we've seen in history a contrast of what God is at work doing. Um, redeeming his people, holding evil at bay uh, according to his plan, uh, uh, causing the gospel to go forth. But history will end, and the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead will be raised to life and stand before Almighty God. The books will be opened. Uh, what joy we have to look forward to. Uh, seeing the Lord, Him welcoming us, uh, we who long for His appearing. Uh, indeed, He is our blessed hope, as we read there uh, in Titus chapter 2. Well, uh, we see the Lord applying these, these contrasts. Uh, in verse 5 of Revelation 21, He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And may the Lord encourage us and revive us that history uh, is not reeling out of control, even though to our eyes many times it appears to be doing so. Uh, that is very true, that what we can see with the eyes of flesh many times uh, in history uh, it looks very, very bleak. Uh, but the Lord is at work. And so that's what this declaration is. History is not reeling out of control. And oh, what comfort that is in the midst of times of personal uh, chaos and difficulty and darkness and struggles, sickness, death. Uh, oh, what comfort it is to rest in the nail-scarred hands of the king of the universe. Uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. Someday we will see with these eyes the splendor and majesty and glory of Almighty God. So that's the first thing that the Lord declares in terms of the application of these things. And then we see in verse 5, 
a declaration that these things are true. Uh, God reminded his people then, and he reminds us that the word of God is true. Uh, God is encouraging us to trust and obey Jesus, to not listen to the lies of Satan, but to listen to the God of truth, whose word is trustworthy and sure. And then we have in verse 6 this declaration of the one who orders history, is guiding history, and has spoken. He is the one who uh, is the Alpha and the Omega. And he declares uh, that he reigns. He has set these things in motion. And nothing will stop uh, his mighty hand from accomplishing his purposes. He is the one who declares the uh, beginning from the end. And then we have this incredible invitation here. Uh, to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. Uh, today is the day of salvation. The day will come when that offer of mercy and forgiveness uh, is no more. Uh, when that day comes, when e we either leave this life or when Jesus comes and utters his powerful voice in history ends, uh, the day of salvation of the offer of mercy will be over. Uh, there will be uh, no second chances. There will be no further opportunity uh, to run to Jesus and embrace him. And so here we see this uh, incredible invitation and the urgency that ought to be upon ourselves to embrace and hold fast to Christ and to share the gospel with others. Now, we're going to come back. I want you to just notice a, a couple of things, and, and we're not going to look at it tonight, but I want you to just notice and be thinking about it uh, in, the, in the coming week. I will be his God, and he will be my son. And then look up in verse 3. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. And as we go through the rest now of the book of Revelation, that's going to be the theme uh, that uh, we are, are, are drawn to. And that's going to be opened up for us in an amazing, thrilling way. But tonight, what I want us to do is to finish looking at this warning. And we have here in verse 8 uh, an, an, an illustrative list of people who are going to end up being cast into the lake of fire. It is not an exhaustive list. And we know that from other portions of Scripture. Matthew chapter 25, for example. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, for example. Galatians chapter 5, for example, those are all passages that refer to other aspects of the fruit that the Lord will expose on that day and point to as evidence. Now, 
notice verse 8, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. This matter of those who are cowards, uh, who know the truth, but refuse to act upon it, who know the truth and refuse to run to Jesus and confess him. They're afraid. They're cowards. They shrink back. Uh, oh, look what it will cost me uh, to follow Jesus. Uh, and foolishly, they hold on. Uh, for example, look at Luke chapter 9. Let's go over to the Gospel of Luke chapter 9. And here we have uh, the Lord describing uh, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Look at verse 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Uh, when I was younger, one time I went with some other young people uh, on a hike across a river. And it started out a very mild uh, adventure. Uh, you could easily hop from rock to rock, literally just stepping from rock to rock. The water was very calm. It was very serene. Uh, but this uh, river was a huge river. It was the St. Lawrence uh, River uh, up in Minnesota. And we came to a place where the bulk of the river was concentrated in one place. And it was about six to seven feet across. And, and there was just a huge uh, torrent of water pouring over a waterfall and we had gotten to this place and it had taken about an hour and a half of painstaking going from rock to rock to get to that place and we were almost free to get to the other side but we had to get across this place and the only way to get across was to jump. I was scared. <laughs> I, it, was, it, it was a long way across. And there was a, a, a big, strong fellow uh, who was older, uh, who was on the other side. He said, Henry, you just jump, and I'll reach out and catch you. I don't know. I, I mean, if, if I don't make it, that water is just going to take me over this waterfall. Um. So I was afraid, and I thought, I could sit here all night. I could try to go back, but there's nobody on the other side now. And so I finally jumped, and sure enough, that guy reached out, great old big strong arm, and grabbed hold of me and pulled me uh, over. Well, 
Cowards are people who are afraid to trust in Jesus. And they do so because they are thinking in terms of how they view themselves, how they view God, how they view the promises of God. They don't have faith, and we're going to come back to that. But cowards are people who are afraid to do what is right. And we looked uh, in John chapter 12. Uh, here we have uh, a chilling, chilling passage that describes what a coward looks like. What, what is a coward? Well, here were men who said, I'm afraid to trust in Jesus. Here in Luke chapter 9, they're afraid of what it will cost them. And foolishly, they, they think, look, I, look what I'm going to have to give up. But they don't realize they will forfeit everything that they think they're holding on to. Uh, that's how foolish cowardice is. Here in John chapter 12, in verse 41, Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would be put out of the synagogue. They... Why did they do that? Look at verse 43. For they loved the praise that comes from man more than the praise that comes from God. That's what a coward looks like. And may the Lord delivers, deliver us from being cowards. And the Lord calls upon us uh, to jump uh, into the Lord Jesus uh, to not be afraid when he bids us trust in him, when he bids us and instructs us in Holy Scripture uh, to uh, obey him, to heed his warnings, uh, to believe his promises. Um, his arms indeed uh, will hold us, will support us, will catch us. Uh, we dare not shrink back. Uh, because our eye is upon man, ourselves or others. But that's what a coward is. A coward is judging things on the basis of, of the eye of flesh, uh, what we can see, what we could do. Um, but Jesus bids us follow him. Well, cowards, first in the list. And isn't that striking? And when you look at Washington, D.C., think about examples of cowardice where we have politicians who say, oh, I, I, I know, I understand life is a gift from God and it begins at conception, but what do they do? They're afraid to pass laws protecting little unborn babies. They're afraid to vote against Supreme Court justices. Why? Because uh, the polls, they're a little concerned that maybe their chances for re-election will uh, slip. Cowards will end up in the lake that burns with fire. The Lord calls 
us to be men and women, boys and girls, who are not afraid to stand on the Word of God. Uh, we're living in a culture where what uh, people post on Facebook or Twitter uh, determines, sadly, largely what, what they uh, are, are, are outwardly uh, saying. Uh, they're cowards, um, afraid to go against the madness of this day. They're afraid to say the emperor has no clothes. They're afraid to say um, the Bible is plain. There are two genders, male and female, that correspond to people's biological uh, 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 makeup that God Almighty knit them together to be uh, in their mother's womb. Oh, there are many, many expressions uh, of cowardice. Uh, when we're in a situation and we're afraid to speak the name of Jesus, the Lord gives us an open door uh, to speak his name, but we're afraid. Oh, may the Lord deliver us uh, from cowardice. Uh, we are not ashamed to own the name of Jesus. Uh, back in Luke chapter 9, uh, we see, <clears throat> For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Talking about that great day. And if we have been ashamed, if we've refused to own his name, uh, the Lord says that the Lord Jesus, uh, he will not own us. Uh, the Son of Man will be ashamed of the one who is ashamed of him. Uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, um, we see it described this way. In Matthew chapter 10, uh, in, in verse 26. So have no fear of them, talking about people who would uh, oppose the Gospel. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Uh, Patrick Henry, when he stood there in the uh, uh, Virginia legislature and he declared give me liberty or give me death uh, he was not a coward uh, he was one who said well yes uh, the king of England has the uh, uh, greatest military might who are we to stand against him well if we are doing what's right in God's sight uh, he's no match for God Almighty uh, and so the Lord calls upon us to not be afraid to do what is right in the sight of Almighty God, to embrace Jesus, to live for him, to order our homes, and to do our callings, all in the bidding and at the pleasure of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 
That's what a follower of Jesus looks like. The cowards are afraid. They're looking to the world and to the praise of men uh, to, for approval. Um, not so the child of God who's been captured by the love of Jesus. And so we see in verse 29 of Matthew 10, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. Don't be cowards. You are of more value than many sparrows. So, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Now, we have a summary statement of, of Jesus owning uh, his own on that great day over in Matthew chapter 7. And if you'll turn there with me, I think it'll be helpful as we just quickly go through and look at the rest of these categories that are described here in Revelation 21 verse 8. Here we have, again, a summary statement about the great day of judgment and what is going to happen. And that's what we see in Revelation 21 8. There are people who have lived against the Lord Jesus, who are going to be cast into uh, the lake that burns with fire and, and sulfur, fire and brimstone uh, forever and ever. And so in verse 21 of Luke, uh, of Matthew chapter 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, this is a striking passage because... To say, Lord, Lord, what, what, what is that all about? Well, in Romans chapter 10, that's how you become a Christian. That if you confess your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You shall be saved. God says that's how you're saved. You confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. But Jesus declares here, not everyone who says these words, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Notice, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And this is not teaching works righteousness. What this is pointing to is, this is evidence and Jesus, on the great day, is going to point to evidence. He's going to point to evidence. Books are opened. Uh, if anyone's name was not written in the book of life, he was what? Cast into the lake of fire. And the evidence will be brought forth. In Matthew chapter 25, we see the same thing. Jesus is pointing to evidence of either a lively faith, the fruit of a lively faith, of genuine saving faith, or the lack thereof. That's what we see in these passages. We see Jesus bringing forth evidence. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. Here's the evidence. He's not saying that because you did these things, you've earned heaven. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is, this is the evidence that you belong to me. 
This is the evidence that you have been saved by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. And that's what we see in this passage. We see Jesus bringing forth evidence. Verse 22, On that day many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And so, uh, again, what a striking passage. Because here are people who come and step forward on the great day and say, Lord, wait a minute, you've got me in the wrong group. A mistake has been made here. Uh, Lord, I called on your name. Lord, I prophesied in your name. Lord, I cast out demons in your name. Lord, I did miracles in your name. And it is striking. Jesus does not deny that any of those things happened with these people. Uh, as a matter of fact, we have record in the gospel accounts that Judas did all of those things. And yet here's an example of a man whose heart did not belong to Jesus. And in time, it was exposed. And notice what Jesus points to. I never knew you. Uh, there was never this relationship of love and trust between me and you. And the evidence is you maybe did all of these outward religious things, but you walked in open rebellion against me in terms of my revealed will, the law of God. Summarized in the Ten Commandments. And Jesus summarized that, the first four. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so in Revelation 21, all of these things and a host of other things will be brought forth as evidence on that great day of people who did not in this life have saving faith in Jesus Christ. And what is going to be the evidence? Well, back in Revelation 21, verse 8, as for the cowardly, they're afraid to embrace Jesus and stand for him. The detestable, um, this, this word detestable, uh, it, it's, it's an interesting, interesting word. Uh, it's found in a number of places throughout the New Testament. Um, it can be translated faithless. Um, it literally means without faith. The Lord Jesus, for example, in Matthew 17, 17, he answered, A faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. Uh, he referred to that generation as a generation uh, without faith. Um, it, it was uh, a, a, a generation full of disbelief. It's the same word that he uh, exhorted Thomas in John chapter 20. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be disbelieving or without faith. 
but believe. And so those who uh, have, have no faith in Jesus, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. They don't believe the word of God. Uh, they don't take God at his word. Our, our culture is full of unbelief, full of rebellion against Jesus and his word. Oh, may the Lord stir us up uh, to be those who uh, are, are not swept up with the spirit of this age. Um, you young people and children, uh, you are standing against a whole culture uh, that says uh, to believe in Jesus, to believe the word of God uh, is foolish and silly. Uh, but we know it is life to belong to Jesus, faithless. But as for the cowardly, as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable. Uh, this word detestable, it only occurs one other place besides Revelation 21, uh, verse 8. And it is used to describe how that uh, uh, people abhor idols. It's translated abhor. And throughout the Old Testament, uh, when the Lord described paganism, uh, he said that they do detestable things. They do abominable things. These idols, uh, they uh, uh, have all kinds of, of unbelievable things, sacrificing little children uh, to the god Molech. I, I mean, it, it, it's unbelievable. I, I'm not going to describe it all, but the, the latest Supreme Court justice uh, ha had embraced a, a perversion of, of life that is just beyond the pale uh, of going easy on certain criminals. Uh, it, it, that's detestable in the sight of Almighty God. And the Lord says that people who think and support and live this way, those are the kinds of things breaking the holy, holy, holy God's standard of right and wrong, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Murderers. Here we have uh, a, a term that uh, it's not hard to understand. Uh, taking another person's life, judicially innocent life, being treated uh, with disdain and snuffed out uh, for uh, no a justifiable reason. Um, Jesus uh, said that if we have hatred in our heart against our fellow man, um, we, we're just angry. Um, we've committed murder uh, in our heart. Uh, the Lord Jesus uh, was uh, delivered up to be uh, crucified and the Children of Israel demanded that a murderer be released in his place. Um, Barabbas uh, was a murderer. Uh, he had lived a, a, a wicked and violent life. And we live in a culture where little ones are being murdered. Uh, since uh, 1973, when the Supreme Court of the United States uh, uh, said in uh, uh, Roe versus Wade that abortion was legal. 
uh, there have been uh, close to 70 million little ones uh, who have been put to death. Oh, may the Lord have mercy upon us. God says that those uh, who uh, take judicially innocent life, our cities are being just overrun with the wanton uh, disregard for human life. Uh, it's a shocking thing. And God says, that's who. Uh, the sixth commandment, thou shalt not murder. Uh, you see, these are expressions of rebellion against Almighty God. Um, the next is sexually immoral. Uh, this is the Greek word uh, pornos. Uh, that's where we get our English word pornography from. Um, it is uh, all manner of, of sexual deviancy. And God says that this gift of sex is a gift from Almighty God to be enjoyed between a husband and a wife in the bonds of marriage. Uh, male and female joined together in the covenant of marriage. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, this uh, term occurs over and over. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, the Lord uh, uh, warns us in chapter 6, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither it's translated in the old King James fornicators, but here's the term, a general term that describes uh, sexual deviancy. And God has spelled out in his word uh, that uh, the physical relationship between a husband and a wife uh, is a blessing and a gift from God. Uh, but outside of that expression, uh, it will destroy people. And it will take people to hell. Um, if there is no repentance of these things, and we have record in Holy Scripture of God's grace capturing people who were held captive in all of these ways of, of living. The Apostle Paul was guilty of murder. Uh, Rahab, the prostitute, uh, we have the joy of seeing the power of Jesus to save. But those who continue to give themselves to rebellion against God, where does it end? The lake that burns with fire and sulfur forever, the second death. Sorcerers, that's a very interesting term. It has to do with Rich witchcraft, but the Greek word is pharmakos. Pharmakos, that's where we get our English word pharmacy from. And in uh, scripture, uh, one of the things that was closely associated with demonic activity uh, was the use of uh, um, hallucinogens. Um, it, it is the same in this day. Uh, where there is a demonic aspect of, of drug addiction, where people uh, get captured by uh, trying to escape reality. Uh, sorcerers want to deny reality. 
that God Almighty made this world and rules over it. And we have a culture full of people who are trying to escape the reality of God upon his throne and his standard of right and wrong and how he has ordered society and life, the family, what he says about work, what he says uh, about pleasure, uh, how to enjoy the good gifts of God. Uh, people who uh, are sorcerers and following that are seeking uh, the realm of darkness to escape, but it just ensnares them deeper and deeper um, in, in uh, the ways of death. Idolaters are uh, those who worship uh, uh, false gods. Um, and not only do we have formal false gods, uh, all kinds of major religions fall under this category. Islam is idolatry. It is a false religion. Uh, it will take people uh, to the lake that burns with fire. Judaism will take people to the lake that burns with fire. Hinduism, Buddhism, Confucianism, on and on. But not only do we have that aspect of idolatry, but any good gift that God has given to us can also be twisted and perverted and become an idol. Food can be an idol, where people live uh, for food. In the book of Philippians, the Lord uh, uh, referred to people whose God is their belly. Uh, they they uh, live for that uh, idol or illicit pleasure, uh, uh, work, uh, your job, your calling can be an idol. Your family can be an idol. On and on, any good gift that God has given can be twisted and perverted and become the center of the universe around which everything else revolves. Idolatry. Idolatry will take people to the lake that burns with fire. And the last, liars, those who do not tell the truth, uh, those who embrace the lie, as we read in Romans chapter 1, uh, that they exchanged the truth for the lie and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. What will happen to people? who reject the Lord Jesus Christ, he who is truth, and reject God's word, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire. If they go to their death, embracing rebellion against the living God. Well, I, I want you to turn with me in closing to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, because here we have a similar list. Okay, it's, again, not an exhaustive list, but this list ends with these thrilling and encouraging words of the power of Jesus to change, to forgive, to deliver people from these paths of death and destruction. And we see that in Revelation 21, where the Lord, why does he record these things? It's not for us to uh, be uh, left with discouragement and, and, and despair. 
But it is in the face of the reality of the horror of sin to run to Jesus and to find relief in him. And that's what we see in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And now here we have verse 11. And such were some of you. Some of the people there in Corinth used to be those things, just like the Apostle Paul used to be an idolater. He used to be a murderer. But God delivered him. How did he deliver him? The same way he's delivered you uh, and me, child of God. Uh, his amazing grace changing our hearts, granting us repentance and faith in Jesus. Murderers, forgiven. Oh, what sweet, sweet blessing it is to have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul, when he laid down at night now, he didn't have his conscience eating away at him of all of the people that he had wrongly put to death. Can you imagine that? But he had peace now because he had repented and turned to Jesus. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And that's what we see in the same passage here in Revelation 21. Why does God record this for us? It's not to cause us to despair about the horror of sin, but it is in the face of the horror of sin and where it takes people for us and the people around us to run to Jesus in the day of salvation today that we might have forgiveness. He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said... Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Amen. Let's pray. Father, please write these things upon our hearts, O Lord, that, that we would hate uh, uh, sin in our own hearts. And we would be those who are full of joy to have you, Lord Jesus, as our Redeemer. And you would make us full of compassion and boldness to share the gospel with people around us even this week. Bless now as we sing this great old hymn. Indeed, it is so sweet to trust in you, Lord Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust you more. 
In Jesus we pray, amen.